0: Today's episode of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Sign up with betonline.ag today and score a 75% bonus to use on this week's loaded betting board. Simply use promo code BOXINGRANT and up to $1,000 worth of sportsbook bonuses will be added to your bankroll instantly. BetOnline posts the most odds on every major sport. Football, basketball, baseball, boxing. You'll never miss an opportunity to get in on the action at BetOnline. Once again, that's promo code BOXINGRANT for your exclusive 75% bonus. Sign up at BetOnline.ag today because you can. TheBoxingRant.com To the tale of the tape. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. It's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest. Like an overhand right from cobra left. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on Come. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 74 of the tale of the tape. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. And follow the show at... The Boxing Rant. Subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes and leave a review. It's much appreciated. Just like it's much appreciated that all of you all over the globe are friends in the United Kingdom, Ireland, Sweden, Australia, and here in the United States. Tune in on a weekly basis for the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. Back by popular demand, the old theme song. I uh, got some, some pretty salty complaints about that. I guess you guys enjoy, uh, enjoy hearing me rap. That must be it. And I bet you guys didn't even know that that was me on the track. Maybe some of you did. But that's neither here nor there. Just had a great time on Periscope. Um, you guys can uh, seek me out on Periscope. I'm going to be doing much more of that. Love talking shop uh, with all the diehard fans of boxing out there in the, uh, in the Twitterverse. Um, it's always great and a great showing and, and a big up to the champ. Uh, Lennox Lewis for stopping by Periscope um, and giving us some love and uh, and talking the sweet science. Not every day you get to uh, <laughs> get to talk shop with the former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So big up to Lennox Lewis. Um, find the show on social media. Follow the Boxing Rant and the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on Facebook, Google Plus, Instagram, the website. Drop me a line, podcast at theboxingrant.com. I've got a lot on the horizon, a lot on the horizon. I know I discussed on the last episode about uh, previewing and breaking down the straw weight division. Um, and as I was in the midst of doing my research for it, all this banter back and forth about Triple G and Andre Ward and uh, and just the nonsense that follows that conversation was It was getting kind of ridiculous, and I stopped what I was doing for a second and went ahead and put together um, some pretty some pretty awesome stuff to talk about the Golovkin Ward saga and maybe shed some light um, on it for some of the people out there that just tend to believe what the fighters and the promoters say instead of actually kind of looking and and breaking down the timeline um, as things actually really unfold because there's a lot more to it. Um, then just the, the posturing and the name dropping that seems to happen on a regular basis by, um, by Andre Ward and, uh, you know, and, 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 and then it comes off as, as Loeffler and, and triple G always being in, in defense mode. Um, so it's not a good look for either of them, but I'll dive into that. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, let's see what else are we talking about today on episode 74, the tale of the tape boxing pod cast. I'm going to revisit Sammy Vazquez, welterweight prospect, doing the deal on the PBC. Anthony Joshua, talk about him for a little bit. Going to preview the LA Fight Club show this Friday. Uh, Golden Boy's LA Fight Club. Uh, Strawweight, uh, Lynchpin, Hecky Butler returns to the ring in South Africa. We'll talk about that. But we're going to dive into Floyd Mayweather or the Tui. Um, apparently there are paramedics there now. Golden Boy versus Al Heyman. Um, the legal dispute. Of course, Triple G and Ward, like I discussed. Um, we're going to break that down in, in detail. No doubt about that. Manny Pacquiao expected to return in April. I'm going to break down, um, that conversation for you. Uh, some Amir Khan talk, and I'm going to give you my first thoughts on Bradley versus Rios taking place. My birthday weekend always seems to be a big fight on my birthday weekend. Um, which is always awesome. Cause you know, I usually like to travel to all the big fights that take place on my birthday weekend. I would love to fly out to Vegas for it. That would be, uh, That would be awesome indeed. But again, I'd like to uh, thank all of you for tuning in to episode 74 of the tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. It is much appreciated indeed. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get down to business. Um, We'll just go ahead and kick this thing off. We're going to do the action from this past weekend in Pennsylvania, hometown hero and veteran of uh, of the the war um, in Iraq, Sammy Vasquez, who is now a rising a rising welterweight star, had a great amateur career um, and is a really exciting fighter. You know, I guess the competition for Vasquez has been pretty it's been pretty lopsided as is the the way uh, of the rise into relevance in this sport. But what we had seen previously from this kid was going in, blasting him out. Um, he had two tough. Tests prior to this fight with Jose Lopez against uh, Wally um, Omotoso and Emmanuel Lardy. And you know what? Um, he showed great boxing ability and skills in those. But prior to that, he'd just been blasting out everybody. This was a really good representation of the skill set and the skill level that Sammy Vasquez has. He is a definite bright spot for, a, for the fledgling PBC operation, the much maligned, heavily criticized PBC. I've expressed my opinions uh, about their organization, but even Sammy Vasquez probably has enough talent um, to bypass any dysfunction um, in you know the development of fighters yeah, because there's no track record in the PBC. Al Heyman sure as hell doesn't have a track record of developing fighters, but uh, Sammy Vasquez is the good. Short to the target. Jose Lopez was a sturdy fighter. He was there. He was game. He wanted to fight. Um, you can't take that away from him. But really, the skill level in this, it wasn't even close. I mean, Vasquez looked, he did a very you know, high IQ, sweet science. Um, this was really the first time you got to see the cerebral side of Sammy Vasquez, where he was doing whatever he wanted to. He looked a lot like Vasily Lomachenko in the sense that he was able to put his opponent wherever he wanted to maneuver around them and then unleash the offense. Vasquez real short and tight to the target. Jose Lopez coming in wide with big power shots. Didn't serve him well. Sammy Vasquez blasted him out in five um, as he put Lopez down twice in the fifth round. I didn't get to Anthony Joshua last week. I know a lot of people were were disappointed in the fact that I didn't get to Anthony Joshua. We talked about Joshua a little bit on Periscope um, in the Boxing Rant uh, pre-show. And you know what? Anthony Joshua, I'm, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep saying it. And, and this actually comes on the heel, not only um, after an Anthony, Anthony Joshua just devastating victory uh, win against Gary Cornish, but it also comes on the heel of the comments from Vladimir Klitschko regarding the level of competition that Deontay Wilder has faced so far in his career. And um, you know what? <laughs> Whether or not Klitschko needs to talk about Wilder, I don't know if, if he even really needs to go to that level, uh, honestly, because I don't think it really matters what Klitschko says because he said everything in good nature and what he said was completely honest. Um, that Wilder doesn't really, probably doesn't really even have control over who he fights and who he doesn't fight because he's in the Hayman stable, but he has, he needs to step up the competition. Anthony Joshua will get there. I think Joshua has much more time. Now, will the will the fans that are buying up the tickets, these sold-out arenas, maybe force the hand of Eddie Hearn? I don't know. I mean, if he's smart, I would just milk it, honestly, because the kid probably could realistically be two, three years away from a championship, even though I think he can beat Deontay Wilder today. Um, that's neither here nor there. But the truth is, this kid's selling out arenas. So if he can sell out arenas against bums and hey, why not man why not make a little bit of money on the way plus he needs to develop a little bit he needs to get hit he needs to get hit before he steps into like a world class level fight um cuz we still don't know what he has for a chin but he seems like he's tough as uh, you know tough as nails but we've also seen some heavyweights on the rise that we thought were just you know the cat's ass when it comes to prospects and uh, they get hit one time on the kisser and they get proved completely wrong but personally i think joshua is the deal he's the goods He's the real deal, um so to all my friends in the uh the u k uh I did not ignore the Joshua fight last week. I just kind of ran out of time um you know i I started losing my voice, ran out of water, I was parched man i was like I was like George groves against Badu Jack, you know i was just i just i just couldn't make it through the fight all right so uh yeah, so that's really pretty much all I wanted to talk to as far as like recent fights were concerned um Vasquez is the truth. And and you all know how I feel about Anthony Joshua. I mean, come on. I mean, the kids is a real deal. All right, let's get to a little preview action. So the LA Fight Club returns to the Belasco Theater um, this weekend on Friday night. And, you know, this is just a great program, uh, a great event, a great show for uh, Golden Boy uh, fighters in their stable. Um, a lot of which are of the Mexican American descent, if not Mexican fighters, with a huge fan base there in Southern California. It's a really good opportunity um, to see some young young fighters up and coming, and it's a great platform for them. It's unfortunate that Al Heyman came in with his monopolistic tactics and uh, and basically, um, you know, just took a com- gigantic dump right on Oscar De La Hoya's deal with Fox Sports One. So this is actually going to be broadcast on Estrella uh, TV. And the undercard is going to be on ringtvlive.com. Uh, I'll get to more about the broadcast stuff here in a minute. But the LA Fight Club, the NABF lightweight titles on the line. Jerry Fontenez, I mean uh, Jeffrey Pot- uh, Fontenez squaring off against Marvin Quintero. Uh, Fontenez twenty three year old. There's a huge discrepancy in size in this fight. Now Fontenez five foot ten with a seventy four inch reach. Quintero, twenty eight years old, five foot seven with a sixty five inch reach. That's a nine inch reach advantage. I mean, that's ridiculous. Let's talk about Fontanez and, you know, let's talk about the pros with this guy's skill set. You know, he's sharp and accurate to the target. If you stand in front of him with your guard, <clears throat> with your guard down in any way, shape, or form, he's going to tee off on you. Um, and he did to his last opponent, Jose Hernandez. Here's the thing, though, all right? with with <laughs> There's always two sides here. And there are some significant cons um, You know, I'm not going to say it's a downside, but limitations really you have to think about. And a gigantic setback in Fontanez's career has kind of left him in a position now uh, where they have to up the ante and he's got to start looking good again because he can be bullied. Um, two fights ago, he squared off against Mexico's Gilberto Gonzalez and he fought like a smaller fighter. He looked like the smaller fighter. Um, Gonzalez looked huge in the ring next to him and Gonzalez fought much bigger than he did. He stood too long on the ropes for no apparent reason whatsoever, especially since he fought and has looked to be the more athletic fighter of the two and he just stood there on the ropes, took a pounding and tried to fight a rugged inside style for way too many long elongated stretches of action. And Gonzalez took advantage of it and landed some really heavy power shots. Um, and let's be honest here. His power is not elite. His KO percentage may lead some to believe that. But his KOs have been against a very, very low level of opponent. Very low level of opponent. Fontanez, he's got good skills. He's an accurate puncher. Um, but <laughs> he doesn't dish it out as as hard as... His opponents are going to, stepping up, which raises some concerns for me about Fontanez. His keys to victories in this one? Exploit the size advantage. Quintero is there for one reason. He's there to make Fontanez look good. Quintero's been knocked out in five of his six losses. So, come on. That's that's kind of ridiculous. So, he is there um, to make Fontanez look good. Do not allow the smaller fighter to bully his way inside. Just like Gilberto Gonzalez did, ducked his head, went into the high guard, charged inside, and wailed on him. And he's got to use his athleticism and his boxing abilities. And he should look good against Quintero. So my prediction for the fight is that Fontanez will stop Quintero probably somewhere around the fifth round. The Gilberto Gonzalez loss was extreme, though. Okay? He lost in devastating fashion. And... While they're on the road to recovery with this fight, there are concerns for the future about Fontenez. I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. I want him to do well. Go back and watch the Fontanez versus Gonzalez fight. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But I hope he looks good on the LA Fight Club. It's a great platform for him to redeem himself, and hopefully he'll do just that. Making his debut um, under the banner of Golden Boy, Oscar de la Hoya's promotional firm, LA native Carlos The Solution Morales, will square off against Puerto Rican uh, Onel Negron. Uh, this edition of the LA Fight Club will be broadcast live Friday, September 18th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and the undercard will be streamed, like I said before, at 8 30 p.m. on RingTVLive.com and Ring TV's YouTube channel, and it's also available on Roku. The PBC on Bounce returns for its second edition in Winter Park, Florida. (laughs) Uh, Caleb Truex was expected to headline this event and was set to face off against Fernando Guerrero in the headlining bout when somehow um, Truex forgot to submit his medicals on time, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He forgot to submit his medicals on time. So now he's going to miss an opportunity to headline on television when you're at the point when you're at like sort of the level of Caleb Truax, this is kind of an unforgivable mistake. It's kind of ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, you, 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 have a fight on TV. Eh, whatever. Right. Al Heyman's got 50 channels and, um, yeah, what does it matter? Anyways, um, Jamal James versus one Carlos Abreu on the undercard. And one of my favorite prospects hasn't quite broke into the, You know, he's probably teetering in a top 20 capacity, but Erickson Lubin is some fighter to watch out for. He's squaring off against Orlando Laura in a 154-pound contest. Lubin is young. He's young and he's raw, but I'll tell you what, he's got serious power and he's real short to the target. A lot of young fighters, especially teenagers, which Lubin is, um, have a tendency to throw really, really wide hooks. They have a tendency to throw from their hips. They have a tendency to tuck their elbows in and loop their hooks wide and they don't really focus on the body. Erickson Lubin has a repertoire of a much more seasoned fighter. He fights way beyond his years. Now, he's still a kid and, you know, he hasn't done anything yet except, you know, make it this far. Kudos to that. But uh we, yeah, we're not going to go and crown the kid yet because again, like I said, but for where he is, in his career at his age, he's something else. <laughs> he's something else. All right. Let's keep on trucking here on episode 74 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. All right. <clears throat> what other action we got here? Top rank has a card on Unimas from Studio City in California. Jose Felix Jr. Um, Felix Jr. is ranked number seven by the IBF at 135 pounds. He's got a uh, pretty nice record, thirty one and one. Um squares off against Marcos Jimenez. Uh Felix looking to climb the ladder of the rankings to get a title shot. He's also, oddly enough, ranked, I guess he's had a couple of few fights barely over the limit of 135 pounds. So the WBO is actually ranked him number five in at one hundred and forty pounds. Eh is what it is, right? Um then we got over in over in Sweden, we have Eric Skoglund squaring off against Alexander Cherviak, and you know, historically anyways, I, if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, this fight is the first fight contested for a a title, a championship title a trinket of some of, of some form since 1968. I think we'll, we'll, my friends in Sweden can help me here. Um, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think there was a prohibition on boxing over there. And this is the, you know, first big fight over there in, in a long time with something on the line. IBF intercontinental light heavyweight title on the line for the undefeated light heavyweight prospect 22 and O with 11 knockouts. Keep your eye on that one. Uh, Scoglin's ranked number four by the IBF number 11 by the WBC um, Hecky Butler talked about the Hexecutioner, squared off against Simpiwe Konko at the Emperor's Palace in South Africa for the WBA strawweight title. Butler is the linchpin of the strawweight division. Um, this is Butler's 13, 13th title uh, fight. Uh, Konko's ranked number four by the WBA. Konko has, he's been calling out Butler for, for a while now. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's had to kind of climb climb the ladder and develop some semblance of a record. But there's a little bit of a local grudge match and bragging rights on the line here look let's be honest Hecky butler's always in tip top shape all right always in tip top shape um he operates high octane high work rate, and you know I mean butler is nonstop he's relentless his footwork is flawless you know if he wasn't operating in the lowest weight class, the minimum weight class in in all of professional boxing, I think there would be talk about him, um, uh, you know, if this guy had this level of skill, let's say, at lightweight, featherweight, e- yeah, even featherweight, or even even bantamweight, um, he would get so much more press than he does. He's only 27 years old. The executioner is the real deal, and I look for him to stop Konko, um, you know, somewhere in the middle rounds, because hecky Butler is just too damn much. Um, there's just no doubt about that whatsoever. If you haven't seen the executioner fight, uh you got to check him out. I mean, he fought on the undercard, I believe, of Golovkin Murray. Uh was actually put down in that in that fight. He was dropped. He got back up, then dropped his opponent um right back and uh, just went on to a really a really dominant type performance and um you know, I like watching Butler. You know, he's one of those fighters that mixes you know some flash in with just really really elite level skill. Um, So Hecky Butler goes and does the deal. All right. Now it's time to break into the drama that is the world of professional prize fighting. That's right. You see the title of this show. Golovkin Award. The saga continues. We're going to talk about Floyd. We're going to talk about the Golden Boy lawsuit with Al Heyman. We're going to talk about all of that. But before I dive into the drama the ongoing world of professional prize fighting. I'd like to take a brief minute to thank our sponsors. Looking to maximize your sports betting bankroll? Then sign up with betonline.ag today and claim an exclusive 75% bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code boxing rant and up to $1,000 worth of sportsbook free plays will be credited to your account instantly. Once you're in on the action, you'll see firsthand why betonline.ag receives an A grade bonuses on every qualifying deposit, the earliest opening odds in the industry, state-of-the-art live betting software, the highest parlay and teaser payouts on the planet, football, hoops, baseball, soccer, MMA, boxing, and just about every other sport. That's just a small sample of what's waiting for you at betonline.ag. Thanks to a large list of banking options, including credit cards, getting your account up to speed only takes a few minutes. Most importantly, when it comes time to get paid, your winnings will be delivered on time, every time. Remember, to score your 75% bonus, use promo code BOXINGRANT. Sign up at betonline.ag today. Because you can. Sign up, folks. Use that promo code. BoxingRant. BetOnline.ag. Promo code. BoxingRant. All right, let's get to the drama. I have a question. I have a question. Thomas Hauser releases his article on SB Nation that calls into question USADA and... The exemptions and the favoritism that are bestowed upon Floyd Mayweather time and time again, and most specifically, the May 1st IV that was taken has now apparently um, was in an emergency, emergency situation given by paramedics. Let me ask a question. First off, where the hell did that come from? If you want to exonerate yourself, then you reveal this immediately. You don't take eight days for USADA to reply to the article. Why did it take eight days? They were like, oh, uh, he said some pretty good stuff here, so we better uh, we better go do some research and try to... And, and you know what? USADA's response, I implore you to look it up. It's all over BoxingScene.com. I'm not going to go crazy about this as far as like getting into the minutiae and the details of it. But, you know... The fact that there's this mysterious paramedic now that was there to administer Floyd his illegal i v uh before you know he was in such dire need you know it was reported that Mayweather weighed out one hundred and fifty pounds one five zero one hundred and fifty pounds one month before the fight. We all know mayweather walks around in shape in and around welterweight i mean it's he he's a professional athlete. He's in shape all year round. Why did he need an IV full of vitamins and whatever for dehydration, for losing three pounds? Get the fuck out of here, man. That is the most asinine thing in a long line of asinine things. I should say, let me rephrase that. It's the most recent asinine thing. Unbelievable, man. Never, never. Addressing the fact that the amount of IV given was illegal. Okay, never mind this, right? Never mind that the amount of the IV that was given was completely against the rules. Um, and in line with the amount that would probably be used to dilute urine. I'm sorry, man. I'm calling BS on having this emergency rehydration um, you know, after losing three pounds in one month. Give me a break. Flo-Mos will believe this BS because they believe they take Floyd at his word. They take pathological liars uh, at their word. So this is unbelievable. I cannot wait until this thing opens wide up. Paramedic. What, did it take them eight days to find a a paramedic that, that, that was willing to take this lie to their grave? Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. But is it unbelievable? I guess that's the real question. Is it even unbelievable? LA Times reporter Lance Pugmire tweeted out today that a judge has denied Al Heyman's motion to move the Golden Boy Promotions lawsuit into arbitration. The lawsuit will proceed. A bunch of PBC fluffers and employees um, alike were uh, going to bat on behalf of this announcement. Okay, I mean, Heyman's got people fighting his battles for him all over the place, even if something as innocent as this. But let me just say this. okay? this is huge. This is symbolic. It by no look it by no means whatsoever signals an impending victory for Golden Boy and their 300 million dollar lawsuit. But what it does is lends full legitimacy and merit to the claims. I'm not saying that it proves the claims to be correct and that a a judge should rule in favor of a golden boy. That's not what I'm saying. But basically in a case like this, if a judge were to send it to arbitration, that says, um, yeah, come on guys, uh, don't waste our time. You go to arbitration and figure out a settlement. You know, you both have good points, but eh, just settle out of court. The fact that that was dismissed, and that this thing will, the lawsuit will continue, um, is interesting. It's very, very, very interesting. And, um, you know, the the court feels that there is grounds to continue the lawsuit. So, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. All right, now it's time to address this Triple G and his stalker, Andre Ward. Um, This Golovkin-Ward stuff is just out of control. The name dropping by Andre Ward and, I mean, just the perpetual jealousy of this. You know, Ward has reared his delusional head um, and making claims that an offer uh, was sent via email to Triple G's promoter, Tom Loeffler, offering a fight with a 50-50 split. Ward is claiming that they turned the fight down and that they never wanted it in the first place. It is true. Loeffler did uh, reply. It is true. They did turn the fight down. So if you want to take that on the surface and take it on a superficial level, um, then, yeah, okay, oh, they turned the fight down. All right, let's dig a little bit deeper into this because the truth of this is is that Ward is gaining ground right now on Peter Quillen for boxing's most delusional fighter, and he may have just passed him with this. Um, Loeffler responded and gave him good reason that the offer was declined because In their eyes, in the truth of the boxing business, the way the business works, what lay on the horizon, the potential fights um, after what lay on the horizon today made zero sense for Triple G to accept that offer. Let me ask you, why would Triple G accept a fight with Andre Ward? Let's retrace this for the few Andre Ward fans in existence, um, those that take Ward at his word, And are, you know, uh, I guess use the logic that somehow Ward's achievements from five years ago warrant him an A-side status over the entire world in any boxer, in any weight class. Long before Andre Ward decided to rejoin the boxing universe, after that self-imposed ego trip that he went on, where he didn't feel the need to honor his contract anymore, uh, filed frivolous lawsuit after frivolous lawsuit against Dan Goosen, all of which were thrown out of court by a judge. Um, While all of this was happening, meanwhile, Golovkin is starting towards his goal of becoming the undisputed unified middleweight champion. On the way towards the goal, opponents became very slim because of the devastating way that Triple G was winning fights. Andre Ward was at home battling his ego, sitting on the bench, and losing relevance in the sport. This much is true. Let's take you down the path towards unification. Triple G becomes the WBA middleweight champion in November of 2012. During this time, the IBF belt's being tossed around Europe. Okay, A couple Aussies have the belt. Europeans have the belt. But the belt's being batted around um, over in Europe. Miguel Cotto becomes the WBC middleweight champ uh, after defeating a peg-legged Sergio Martinez in June of 2014 and shows no interest in fighting Triple G afterwards. At the bequest... Of his advisor, Al Heyman, Peter Quillen is stripped of the WBO form of the 160-pound crown uh, for, and turns down a career-high payday to face mandatory challenger, former standout Russian amateur and rising pro uh Maxey Korobov. So the belt is stripped. Quillin goes off into la-la land and spends about six months trying to figure out what his excuses were going to be uh, so he could tell everybody about him later. Uh, Korobov and Andy Lee meet. For the vacant WBO belt, which Lee wins by way of devastating, impressive uh, knockout of the year candidate worthy KO. The IBF belt, meanwhile, finally makes its way back to the states where Jermaine Taylor um, defeats Sam Solomon. The belt is stripped from Taylor. And is up for grabs between the IBF's two highest rated, most willing fighters. It took a little while to find out who it was going to be. Billy Joe Saunders was offered it. He said he wanted to stay the path of the, of the WBO um, and take the fight with Andy Lee. So David Lemieux and Hassan Endam go to task. And Lemieux becomes the IBF middleweight champion. Um in a really fun fight, one of the most fun fights of this year, no doubt. If you haven't seen it yet, go and check out Lemieux versus Endom. It's fun. So that being said, there's kind of the path over the last year or two for these belts, uh, for all four of them. The easiest path to unification comes um, in Triple G becoming a mandatory challenger for one of these belts because it, every single fighter that he tried to get in the ring with, he had to have guys step up because nobody wants or wanted to fight him along, along this road. Become the mandatory challenger. There you go. That's the easiest way to make them put another belt right in front of them. So the easiest path comes through mandatory challenger status. So K2, Tom Loeffler, and Triple G decide to go after this mandatory position, which lay in the hands of Marco Antonio Rubio. People were criticizing Triple G for taking this fight. Uh, Rubio's washed up, he's old, blah, blah, blah. This was 100% purely strategic. Marco Antonio Rubio at the time of the fight held the WBC's interim middleweight title. Whoever holds the WBC's interim middleweight title becomes the mandatory challenger to Miguel Cotto's WBC championship belt. Triple G KO's Rubio, and now he's the mandatory challenger. The WBC gives Cotto a voluntary defense against Daniel Gill. Okay, he takes it, he beats him, impressive, impressive fashion. What lay on the horizon next? Well, an opportunity to fight Canelo Alvarez in a mega fight. So Cotto pays Triple G a step-aside fee somewhere in the upper six figures so he can fight Canelo Alvarez. The opportunity arose to unify titles with David Lemieux. Since this was the very plan from the onset, (laughs) Ward fans, this is where we are today. Triple G will square off against David Lemieux to unify the WBA and the IBF. Cotto and Canelo will vie for the WBC. And Andy Lee's mandatory is Billy Joe Saunders. That, That fight keeps getting pushed back for one reason or another. The WBC has stated that the winner of Cotto versus Canelo must face the winner of Triple G versus Lemieux. In steps Andre Ward trying to associate his name with Golovkin while the middleweight champ Triple G's stock is rising. Why would Triple G and Tom Loeffler accept an offer to fight Andre Ward, a 50-50 offer? Why? Let's dive even deeper now that we know how we got where we needed to be, okay? The mission was set. We want to unify the middleweight division, okay? So we've gotten to that point and we can see this all beginning to take shape. The middleweight d- division is looking closer to being unified than it has in a really long time. So why would Triple G and Lawler accept a 50-50 against Ward? Ward's last fight Okay, against Paul Smith back in June. His first fight in 19 months was televised on BET. 300,000 viewers watched that fight. Yes, I am one of those 300,000. I know. I know. I can't help it. I I have a problem. I'll be the first to admit it. (sighs) One fight in two years, 300,000 people tune in. November of 2013, Ward's last fight before his vacation. Um, he has had one fight since 2013 with 300,000 viewers. Triple G has had five televised fights during that time frame, totaling 6 million viewers. So uh, Triple G has averaged more than a million viewers per fight for five televised fights since November of 2013. Andre Ward has had one fight with 300,000 viewers. Okay. Okay. It's starting, is this this beginning to make sense to the Andre Ward sycophants out there? You beginning to see this? 300,000 viewers, 6 million viewers. The question to the Andre Ward fans who don't use facts when it comes to supporting their guy, who do you think would be the more relevant fighter in the public's eye? The guy with 300,000 people watching him? or the guy with 6 million people watching him over the last two years. So over a two-year time frame, 300,000, 6 million. If these numbers were in reverse, I guarantee you I would say the same exact things about Golovkin. Guarantee you, I would say the same thing, that Andre Ward is the A-side and has all the leverage if these numbers were reverse. So riddle me this, riddle me this, Ward sycophants. Why would Triple G accept a 50-50 offer to fight Andre Ward when he is irrelevant outside of Oakland, California? Why should Triple G accept a 50-50 offer to fight a guy whose last fight had 300,000 viewers instead of fighting the winner of a mega pay-per-view against a legitimate superstar regardless of who wins? Whose last fights combined, Cotto versus Giel and Canelo versus Kirkland did roughly 4 million viewers. So... What Andre Ward is saying and the few loud supporters in the boxing forums are saying is that Triple G turned down a fight with Ward because he's afraid of the style and a threat of losing. Since Ward supporters have no interest in facts, much like Floyd Mayweather fans, I've done the work for you. And you are quite welcome. What all of this factual evidence that I've compiled says as it relates to the real world factors like business, TV ratings, Consumer demand and factors that influence making fights and developing careers is that a pay-per-view to unify titles with David Lemieux, a far more ferocious and dangerous fighter than Andre Ward. I didn't say better. I said more ferocious and dangerous. Um is far more lucrative, the David Lemieux pay-per-view, far more lucrative and beneficial to the growth of Triple G's franchise and his goals to unify the middleweight division, which he set long before Andre Ward started name-associating with Triple G. Those goals were set so long ago. Okay? A fight with Lemieux on pay-per-view is far more lucrative than is a fight with Ward. Why would Triple G accept a 50-50 from Andre Ward when, if he beats David Lemieux... In this more lucrative fight than Ward has ever fought before, he gets to face one of the two biggest franchises in boxing on another pay per view. Ah, uh, you know what? Hey, Cotto, Canelo, I wanted to make history and uh, millions upon millions of dollars. On top of it, and build my my legacy and legend even further. Back to back pay per views, potentially beat Lemieux, and the and potentially beat. Canelo, or Cotto, skyrocket into super-duper stardom. Now, you know what? Andre Ward has offered me a 50-50 fight. I better take it. (laughs) I better take it because Andre Ward says so. He deserves it. Um, He's had 300,000 people watch his one fight in the last two years. So you know what? He's earned a fight with me. I've only had 6 million people watching my fights. Why would I want to do back-to-back pay-per-views? And become a megastar. Yeah, you know what, Andre Ward? I'll take the fight. Give me a break. Surely even Andre Ward fans and Triple G haters, because there's some that just blindly and ignorantly try to uh, uh, ridicule and minimize Triple G and his meteoric rise. Surely all of you can understand these facts, factors and realities of life that I've researched for you. <laughs> I mean, I've done all the work for you, you know, outlined it all for you. These are the facts. These are not opinions. Do not mistake the tone of my voice. These are opinions. If these facts were reversed and in favor of Ward and Triple G was acting like a jealous ex-girlfriend, I would be calling out Golovkin just the same. Unfortunately for fans of Andre Ward, this is not the case. And that's all I have to say about that. So uh, Andre Ward can go and, you know, he can say to whoever's camera he wants to, he offered Triple G a fight and he turned it down because he's afraid. I'm sorry. The the the, uh, prospect of fighting the winner of Canelo versus Cotto on another mega pay-per-view? Yeah. Seems a little bit more enticing um, than fighting a light heavyweight who doesn't seem interested in boxing. Just wants to go around and uh, talk about yesterday. Wants to show everybody his, his high school football state championship ring. Give me a break. Get out of here. Manny Pacquiao. Yes, a Manny Pacquiao sighting. No, I don't think anybody's seen him. But he's expected to return to action in April. According to Bob Arum, Pacquiao wants to be uh, back in the ring. And potential opponents include, but I'm assuming are not limited to. Terrence Crawford, Kell Brook, Amir Khan, Lucas Matisse, and yes, if he's not retired, Juan Manuel Marquez. Bob Arum told BoxingScene.com that, well, it it was asked of Bob Arum, would there be any complications uh, with Amir Khan being that Al Heyman is the advisor to one said Khan. And Bob Arum says, no, he doesn't He doesn't have to leave Heyman to make this fight happen. He can do what he wants with Heyman. According to Khan's people, they have every right to fight whoever they want. And if that's the case, well, whether they pay Heyman or not, <laughs> that's their business. It has nothing to do with me. Um, and he goes on to say that he will be working with Khan's people for the fight, not Heyman. I don't know. Khan's been chasing Mayweather for so long, you know. If he can't have Mayweather, he wants Pacquiao. I get it. He wants the biggest fight fights in the world, but I think he just, just lost sight of the fact um, you know, that he has been like I don't know, man. Khan kind of already he's not he hasn't expired. He's still really young and has a lot of talent, but I mean, come on. He's got three losses and he's been real chinny and I don't know. Khan is fast and skilled as hell. I'll believe this when I see it. I think I think there's a better chance of Pacquiao. I mean, why would Bob Arum give the Pacquiao fight to Amir Khan when he can give it to Terrence Crawford, who's in his stable, and build you know, a transcendent star um, with one of his own mega talents that's on his own payroll? To me, Pacquiao versus Crawford is the fight. I think that's why Derry Jean is the fight. Right now for Terrence Crawford, because I I, I truly believe unless Pacquiao fights more than once in 2016, which is it's like it could happen, you know, rumors are flying around that Pacquiao is only going to fight one more time and then hang it up. And if that's the case, if that is hold true, which again, it's only speculation then if I had to choose, I would say it's probably going to be Terrence Crawford. Uh, Bradley versus Rios. Timothy Bradley, Bam Bam, Rios, November 7th at the Thomas and Mack Center. As we all know, Timothy Bradley is now under the direction of Teddy Atlas. Timothy Bradley made some comments in regarding to his future relationship with the very loud and boisterous Teddy Atlas. I'm expecting discipline. I'm expecting to actually work on my mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes in my fights and we're going to eliminate the mistakes. He goes on to say that Teddy told me that there's mortal sins and there's small sins in boxing. There's mortal sins and there are small sins and he's been committing the mortal variety. Um and he said he's been doing things that you know, taking too many punishments, taking too many risks and that's why He's been swollen up. That's why the last couple fights he's been getting hit with big shots over the top. So he says that they're going to try to eliminate these mortal sins for this fight. And I, Timothy Bradley, should come out victorious because I know how to fight. Apparently there was a problem with Joel Diaz missing days in previous training camps. And that was a big factor. He wanted all the attention. So Teddy Atlas has promised him um, that he will that he will get the attention um, that he seeks from Teddy Ballgame. So if that's the case, then more power to him, man. I mean, look, the problem with Bradley, maybe it's Joel Diaz's fault, maybe it's not, is that Bradley has these tendencies to try to fight his opponent's fight. And, you know, if he continues to do that and tries to fight his opponent's fight time and time again, the fight's going to look like whatever the opponent's trying to do. So I'm not surprised, you know, with the kind of beatings that he's taken in some of these wins because he, he tries to do what his opponents are doing. And, he, and, and let's give him credit. Bradley's been in with some killers. You know, he's been in with some killers. You know, and that being said, you get in there with killers, I mean, what do you expect? You know, you got to fight a different kind of fight. Maybe Teddy Atlas can, you know, uh, bring him where he needs to go in that regard. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. And That's really all it boils down to, right? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see uh, you know just it's, it's, it's part of the business uh, trainers work with a successful star fighter and as a result they get more business and then other fighters feel neglected you know but look Kodo, Pacquiao, these guys are mega stars they understand that Freddie Roach is in high demand and has a large stable so Freddie Roach misses days in the training camps and you don't see them crying about it I don't know we'll have to wait and see I'll try to get Brandon Rios on the show um, in the lead-up to the fight. Actually, I'm, I'm going to definitely have him on the show. So I'll make an announcement about that. Vasily Lomachenko joins the party, squaring off against Romulo Koasicic. Kosecha. Koasicic 25 and 4 15 knockouts. Um, took on IBF featherweight champion Lee Selby last year and was pretty much whitewalled. Uh, Selby dominated him. He's only 24, uh, but has some pretty awful losses on his record. He's ranked 8th by the WBO. Which is based on the most current rank rankings from August. What's funny is he's ranked eighth by the WBO, yet last month he was ranked 15th. He leapfrogged Jonathan Victor Barros, who's won five fights in a row, and he leapfrogged Hiroshige Osawa, who's won five in a row and is 12 0 1 in his last 13. So he's basically, in his last 13 fights, he's undefeated. So he just, he's leapfrogged. <laughs> these guys from fifteenth to eighth in one month. Funny how that happens. Nonito Donaire apparently accepts the terms for a November 21st clash with Scott Quig, waiting to hear back from Quig's camp. That's interesting. <laughs> interesting indeed. That's a fight I'd love to see. And that's a fight that I think a lot of the um the diehard Quig contingencies uh in the UK. Could be in for a rude awakening. Donaire at one twenty-two is deadly. Deadly, but either way, Quig's tough as nails. He's a he's a grinder. He's uh, you know he'll, he'll muck it up if he has to. He's tough as nails, and Donaire looks for the fight, right? So it could be explosive. I'd have to say Donaire at this point in his career against Quig. Quig's got momentum. <laughs> Anything could happen in that fight. I tend to favor Donaire, but that's not to say that the fight's not pretty damn even. You know, it's not pretty damn even. So, all right, let's take a look into the future here, and then I will let you all run here on the tail of the tape boxing podcast. Again, I appreciate all of you tuning in. I'll be back on Monday um, with a brand new episode. Try to recap some of the action. I know it's it's a it's a lackluster. Um, weekend of fights, but um, try to dive into that um, division-by-division breakdown. Once it starts, it won't stop. Hopefully, be able to do that on Monday for you, Uh, coming off of Hecky Butler's fight, being that he's the linchpin of the strawweight division. uh, Just got, you know, it was a busy, busy, busy week, so um, we'll get to it. You know what I mean? Tuesday, uh, J-Rock Julian Williams squares off against Luciano Cuello. Julian Williams... Being on TV, Fox Sports 1, to all of my friends in the United Kingdom and worldwide that don't know much about J-Rock, he is one of the bright spots of the PBC and an elite talent. Ranked number five in my top ten prospects in all the world. And then a big fight taking place over in Tokyo on Tuesday as Shinseki Yamanaka squares off against Anselmo Moreno. If you can find a way to stream that fight, that's going to be an awesome fight. Um, You got two of the top Bantamweights in the world squared off for Yamanaka's WBC title. And uh, Yamanaka's the truth. I mean, the ring has Yamanaka rated as number nine pound for pound. Um, And then on Monday, uh, we'll go ahead and get into some previews. Uh, Deontay Wilder returns to the ring. We'll preview Chudonoff versus Bugliani, and um, all the action over in the UK. And uh, hopefully... Hopefully, 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 hopefully I will be able to get back on Periscope and talk the sweet science. I appreciate all of you stopping by Periscope. Um, That's awesome. I had a good time talking to shop with all of you today. So uh, look for the boxing rant on, on Periscope, and uh, I'll see you guys there. No diggity, no doubt. But that will do it for this edition of the Tale of the Tape. I'd like to give a special thanks to all of you out there in the boxing universe for tuning in to episode 74 and joining me here today on the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, the tale of the tape here on the I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Drop me a line podcast at theboxingrant.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. The Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to the show and leave a review. It's much appreciated indeed. But I'll be back on Monday with episode 75. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys soon. Look for me on Periscope. You've been listening. To the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.